0: Hi everyone, this is Alicia Halliday, and this is the ASF Weekly Science Podcast. I hope you all had a wonderful spring break or holiday weekend, whether you celebrate Easter or Passover, or maybe you don't celebrate anything at all. But around this time of year, there seems to be a reincarnation, a resurgence of the vaccine hypothesis in autism. This year, as you know, there's an epidemic of measles because some parents are just not getting their kids vaccinated. Public health officials are taking drastic measures. In New York, this includes making sure unvaccinated kids stay out of school, placing fines on families who do not vaccinate within certain zip codes. They're well within their legal right to do this, but of course there's backlash. The argument about vaccines, however, isn't all about autism. In fact, there are a number of reasons why parents are not vaccinating that go way beyond autism. This means that autism organizations need to continue to push the message that there's no association between vaccines and autism, and we need to continue to work with public health officials to answer multiple questions around the safety of vaccines. So if it's not all about autism anymore, what are some of the concerns? Now, in addition to vaccines being linked to autism, some parents worry about putting something into their children that is unnatural or manufactured by pharmaceutical companies. Because of scandals like Vioxx from years ago, there's some mistrust of the pharmaceutical industry and some actually believe that there may be a conspiracy by pharma to make kids sick so they can make drugs to get them well again and make money. Some parents have worries about vaccines replacing or therefore weakening their children's immune systems. This is completely false. Others are concerned about side effects of vaccines. Others are not so worried about their kids coming down with vaccine-preventable diseases and are willing to take the risk. Now, while as a parent, I want to ostracize people who choose not to vaccinate. I want to put them on an island or maybe somehow punish them. Because I myself am old and I only got one vaccine as a kid. That's the way it was in 1970, whatever, when I was born. I went out and got another MMR just to be safe. I've recently thought about getting a third for my kids. I did this because a flight attendant, even younger than me, who had only gotten one dose of the vaccine as a child, fell ill with measles. Now, I see myself traveling and becoming in contact with the virus, and I freaked out. I felt like I had to do this, and in some ways, I'm angry at those who put others at risk. I get angry when I see my insurance premiums go up and see how the average cost of a child in ICU with the measles is about $800,000. Now, who pays for that? This is something that could have been prevented easily. On the other hand, I want to recognize the voices of many pediatricians who are coming out and saying, this strategy just is not working. Ostracizing people, shaming them, banning them, and maybe even bullying them a little prevents them from talking to their pediatrician and having open, honest conversations, which then prevents the pediatricians from changing the conversation and addressing the family's fear. I'm not saying that every person who chooses not to vaccinate has an open mind, but maybe some do. And I urge people not to publicly shame those who do not vaccinate. I don't know what the solution is, but clearly we need to do something different to ensure that people vaccinate their kids. Now, the immune system is far too complex to say that any single immune factor, any single trigger, any single immune response is responsible for autism. That's oversimplistic. And of course, while it's tempting to blame vaccines for autism, it's just not biologically plausible. However, the role of the immune system pathways during different times in pregnancy has been linked to autism in some people. For example, some individuals with autism were exposed to elevated pro inflammatory cytokines during pregnancy. Some autoimmune disorders in parents increase the odds of autism in their kids. This includes maternal diabetes, hypothyroidism, and sometimes even ulcerative colitis. Some very large scale studies that have shown exposure to a virus or a bacterial infection, especially those that are serious or linked to fever, then increase the odds of having a child with autism. Now, in some cases, the sample in these studies have been low and the function of the immune system is not studied in the sibling and the parents, just the child with autism. Now, in order to address these challenges and look across family members as well as those within people with autism themselves, researchers in Finland and at Columbia University looked at a large cohort as only those in Scandinavian countries Israel and Australia can do. Specifically, they use these medical registries to look at the probability of autism in any first degree relative of someone with an autoimmune disorder. These disorders include things like asthma, autoimmune thyroiditis, and even irritable bowel syndrome. They also include asthma and even things like diabetes, which is is an autoimmune disorder. Now, any link between these conditions and autism suggests that there's some sort of underlying common mechanism, but it's not A cause and effect phenomenon. That's okay for this study. That's not a ding. But I don't want you to take away from this podcast that having something like thyroid issues in the mom causes autism in the kids. If it were that simple, we would have solved autism by now, if only. So there was a link between autoimmune disorders in first-degree relatives and autism. There was also a link between autoimmune disorders and autism in the same person. In particular, those with diabetes and thyroid problems were also more likely to be diagnosed with autism than those without these disorders. There was a particular link between immune disorders that affect the central nervous system, which makes sense, of course. The immune system helps shape how brain cells connect to each other. There was also an association of immune disorders of the gynecologic and respiratory symptoms like asthma. Now, there was no link between immune disorders of the gastrointestinal system and autism. And this is different from what other previous studies have shown. Now, because these disorders are rare in siblings and parents, and of course, autism itself is somewhat rare, it took a large number of people to figure these things out. The Finnish database has millions of people, and they looked at 5,000 cases and 20,000 people without autism and their family members. Again, the fact that it's more common in family members and immune disorders are more common in people with autism does not mean that one causes the other. It means that there may be some common underlying mechanism in some people. Now, the increase in risk was not large, but it was statistically significant given all the people in this study. So it's worth focusing on some of these central nervous system immune issues to figure out what's going on in the brain. A brain tissue research study would really shed light on this, so researchers look into that. But it isn't all about increased risk. I was happy to read a whole other component of the immune system that was studied across different mental disorders and actually associated with a decreased risk of autism. Now again, using a large group of people in another Scandinavian country, Denmark, researchers were able to look across multiple psychiatric illnesses. And these included things like schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and also included things like autism, intellectual disability, and ADHD. And they looked at the link between a particular component of the immune system and these disorders. Now, this component of the immune system that they focused on is called the major histocompatibility complex regulated by something called the human leukocyte antigen complex. The human leukocyte antigen complex is what helps the immune system distinguish its own proteins from proteins made by foreign invaders like viruses and bacteria. Proteins of this major histocompatibility complex are encoded by human leukocyte antigen genes on chromosome 6. This particular region is so dense in genes and many genetic variants lying within it have been implicated in diseases, including autoimmune diseases and infections. And that makes sense, right? Proteins encoded by these genes have important roles in the immune reaction, and they're actually divided into three classes, one, two, and three. Class one encodes proteins that are present inside the cell, and class two encodes proteins that are present outside the cell. They communicate to T-cells. Now, T-cells are what mounts the immune response after a foreign invader comes into the system. Obviously, these genes have been linked to autoimmune diseases, but previously the link to neurodevelopmental disorders have been a little less clear. In Denmark, they were able to gather enough genetic information from thousands of people with an array of psychiatric issues, and again, they included autism. And then they linked these to specific gene mutations in the human leukocyte antigen complex. Now, the researchers found that one allele called HLA-DPB1, specifically HLA-DPB1-1501, has a protective effect. That is, the presence of a mutation of this gene confers a reduced risk of autism, specifically with intellectual disability. This is a relatively rare mutation, so it's pretty new. Now, what does this gene do? The protein produced from The HLA-DPB1 gene attaches to a protein produced from another gene. Together, they form this complex. This complex is what displays foreign peptides to the immune system to trigger the body's immune response. So each gene has many possible variations, allowing the immune system to react to a wide variety of foreign invaders. Researchers have identified hundreds of these mutations just on the HLA-DPB1 gene, and each one is given a number. In this case, the number was 1501. The effect was found in both the primary analysis and a replication within the same study. What was most interesting was the protective effect, again, was seen primarily in those with autism and intellectual disability. So there seems to be something about this particular subtype that is unique immune-wise. There were other genes in the HLA system that were associated with an increased risk of schizophrenia or a decreased risk of schizophrenia or a change in risk for intellectual disability without autism. I just focused on the autism findings, but the results are pretty complex. The million-dollar question is, of course, what is the mechanism, and is this mechanism a target for future interventions? First, as to the mechanism, the authors have an idea, but it hasn't really been established yet. Again, this is a very specific gene, and it was only discovered through the study of thousands and thousands of samples. And I'm not sure targeting this particular gene mutation for therapeutics is ready yet. There really needs to be more work on what the mechanism is. Why is it protective? What's going on in the brain? What is this gene doing? If this gene is part of an immune system that fights off foreign invaders, does this gene mutation lead to an increased or a decreased immune response? It's way too early to tell that yet, but the immune system seems like another way to help stratify subgroups of people with autism. Thank you for listening. And again, I hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend.